The information provided on this podcast is not legal advice and is intended for the sole purpose of providing education and legal information. Laws change over time, and the information provided on this podcast may not be up to date. We make no warranty, express or implied, regarding the information provided by our team or our guests on this podcast. The information should not be construed as legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with us or any of our guests on the podcast. If you would like to consult with an attorney, please call 1-800-VICTIMS. That's 1-800-842-8467 for attorney referral contact information. This podcast provides a platform for the exchange of ideas and information to help educate crime victims on their rights. Some content will include topics and materials that may involve descriptions of violence or assaults which can be distressing to victims and survivors. It may also impact service providers experiencing vicarious trauma. Podcasting from the Victims of Crime Resource Center, this is Knowledge is Power, Victim to Survivor, a podcast series where we help crime victims understand their rights so they can go from victims to survivors. On this episode, we'll discuss employer retaliation. Welcome in, everyone. It's me once again, your humble host, Nima Malavi with the Victim of Crime Resource Center. And today it's my pleasure to welcome Daniela Urban into the podcast. Daniela is the executive director with the Center for Workers' Rights. Thank you so much for taking your time and coming in and talking with us today. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the Center for Workers' Rights. Can you tell me a little bit about the center and, and the work that it does? The Center for Workers' Rights is a Sacramento-based legal service nonprofit that offers legal and advocacy services to low-wage workers. And can you uh, tell me what your role is with the center? Sure. I'm the executive director of the center. I am also the supervising attorney for our law student volunteers and staff. And what sort of assistance does uh, your center provide to low-wage workers? We provide one-on-one individualized counseling on their workplace issues, so letting them know about whether they are are experiencing something that's illegal and then how to remedy it. And we also provide representation through the administrative agencies, mostly the Labor Commissioner, also the California Unemployment Appeals Board, and the, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing and Equal Employment Opportunities Commission. How can our audience get in touch with uh, your center if they would like to get some more information? Yeah, the best way to get a hold of us is by calling and making an appointment for uh, to talk with us one-on-one. Our number is 916-905-5857. Okay, great. Thank you. I'd like to transition and talk about wage theft. How do we define wage theft? I define wage theft as the um, failure to pay wages lawfully owed. Can you maybe give some common examples of, of what that would look like? Yeah, I, I tend to classify wage theft into two main categories. The first being misclassification. Misclassification is when an employer uh, denotes an employee to either be exempt or an independent contractor under the law, therefore not per- paying them everything that they're entitled to. The other way wage theft occurs is simply when an employer doesn't comply with all of the labor laws and doesn't pay according to those laws. Are there any industries that are particularly vulnerable to wage theft? Every industry will have its elements of wage theft, but we see often industries where people are working on their own are particularly vulnerable. So this is domestic work, janitorial work, farm work, any time that someone might be by themselves or out in the open where their work isn't being monitored moment by moment. Are there any state or federal programs that are available for victims of wage theft? We recommend victims of wage theft pursue their remedies through the California Labor Commissioner's Office, or it's also called the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement. Because it enforces state laws, which tend to be better than federal laws, that's the uh, best state resource for for wage and hour protections. 
So if one of our listeners believes that maybe they or a friend have been the victim of wage theft, would you recommend that they reach out to the organization directly? Yes, they can reach out to the Labor Commissioner directly. They have local offices throughout the state. They also have a website, including uh, wagetheftisacrime.com. Can you recommend any additional resources or organizations for our audience if they would like some more information about wage theft? Throughout the state, there are a number of local resources for low-wage workers. So uh, many of the legal services providers throughout the state will advise about workers' rights to be paid a fair wage. Um, So look for your local legal services provider. I want to switch gears and talk about employer retaliation. Can you talk about what employer retaliation is and and how it sort of looks in, in the real world? Whenever an employer takes an action against an employee who enforces their rights, that's considered retaliation. So almost all of our California laws have an anti-retaliation provision to allow workers to enforce those rights and to try to prevent the employer from taking action against them. So when we talk about employer retaliation, are we talking about only current employees of that employer or perhaps past employees as well? It can protect past employees as well. The question would be the remedies. They're different for whether you're a current or former employee. Maybe we can get into what kind of remedies uh, a current employee could could possibly expect or, or a past and how they differ. For a current employee, uh, it depends on the type of action that's been taken. So, for example, if they're being disciplined or suspended, putting them back to work might be the, the best available remedy. Whereas uh, for a prior em- employee? It depends more on their situation and, mm. and whether it happened as a result of being turned down from a, a job and that's when the retaliation occurred. Uh, you have to look at what their damages actually were. And can you talk about maybe some of the options that are available to an employee who has been subjected to employer retaliation? I guess that's kind of like the question I just asked you, isn't it? Yeah, I would say that the, it, under each different labor law, there's a different protection for, against retaliation. So depending on whether it was because you complained about discrimination or harassment or wage theft, each of those have their own uh, anti-retaliation provision. And so each enforcement is going to be different depending on what right you were trying to enforce. If one of our listeners thinks that they've been subjected to employer retaliation, would you recommend they get in contact with the, the state organization or would you recommend they maybe take a different approach? I think in, in terms of retaliation, it all depends on what right the employee was trying to enforce at the time that they experienced the retaliation. So they may want to speak first with an attorney through one of the legal services provider or a private attorney and talk about the the underlying claim, what they were complaining about from the beginning. And then if there is a retaliation component, then that can be tied into their existing complaint if that's determined to be unlawful. Or they might have a retaliation-only claim, in which case they could either pursue it through an administrative agency or through court. I see. And you did mention the underlying right that's being violated. Perhaps we can talk about some of those rights that are maybe commonly violated. Would you like to speak on that? As I said, almost every labor law in California has its own anti-retaliation provision. So just using the example of minimum wage, any worker who asks to be paid the minimum wage and is then retaliated for that is that is a, a, an anti-retaliation protection. So that claim would be bought, could be brought with the California Labor Commissioner or in court. And that's a very common one. Even asking a, a minimum wage provision violation could be asking for 
to be paid for time that wasn't paid. So if time went unpaid and you asked to enforce it, that's considered part of our minimum wage protection since you're entitled to at least minimum wage for all hours worked and lack of payment for any hours would be a violation. So maybe we can talk about some of the underlying rights that might become violated, which then would lead to employer retaliation. In your experience, what are some of the the common um, actions that uh, an, an employee would take that a employer would later retaliate against them for? We really see all of the we we, we see all of the labor laws that an employee. E might be trying to enforce uh, that could be a basis for retaliation. And even in terms of discrimination and harassment um, or any other kind of enforcement of their rights to, uh, to protections in the workplace, any of those might trigger retaliation. It just depends on the employer and what it is that employer is not complying with and why that worker is coming forward to complain about it. So you mentioned the underlying rights might be things like minimum wage or workplace protections. Could you maybe give us some other examples of some some common rights? Yeah, the right to overtime, meal mm-hmm. and rest periods, the right to be paid for all hours work. This this often comes up when someone's not being paid for certain periods of time. So, for example, janitors are supposed to be paid when they're uh, in transit from one location to another. And if they're not being paid for those that time and then ask for that time to be paid, that would be um, s- something that would be protected under the anti-retaliation provisions. I think another important part of retaliation that that we should note is that even if it's not actually unlawful what the employer is doing, you're still protected under our anti-retaliation laws. So for example, if you're asking to be compensated for um, overtime that's not actually considered lawful overtime. So maybe you've only worked six hours in a day and you consider that to be overtime because it's more than your schedule, but under the law, it's not overtime. Mm. Even if you experience retaliation for that, you are still protected under our anti-retaliation laws. Now, but earlier we talked about misclassification being the uh, being a common example of wage theft. I was hoping you could elaborate on that a little bit more and maybe tell us a little bit about misclassification. Misclassification for workers that are considered independent contractors occurs when the employer is deciding not to treat the individual who is doing the work as an employee. Under California law, it is presumed that someone is an employee unless they can meet the test for independent contractor. What this looks like in practice, especially for low-wage workers, is an employer will promise a fixed rate of pay for work that's not related to the number of hours um, or um, or any other legal protections that they might have. So no overtime, no protection for workers' compensation. And this is how the employer tries to circumvent the minimum wage protections and other labor laws. So for our janitors, we see this often where someone is hired as a contractor. They're told, okay, you have five buildings to clean. We're going to pay you $100 per building per week. And that's um, what the agreement is. And the employer in that scenario is treating the worker as an independent contractor, even though that employee is actually an employee. I see. There's a, it's a very good example I think you provided as far as a janitorial employee. Have you come across any other 
experiences in your line of work or has your organization seen perhaps some other instances of misclassification? We see it in many industries. Uh, you know, in, here in Sacramento, we're along the corridor of some major highways. So we see a lot of truck drivers. They're often misclassified, paid by trip, paid by mile, but not um, kind of with the additional protections of overtime and breaks. All of those, uh, any industry can really have misclassification as a component. It really depends on how the employer is treating that that individual and whether they're complying with all of the protections that employees are entitled to. Does misclassification ever occur in an office or a retail sort of setting? And if it does, what does that look like? Misclassification in office and retail is often not the same independent contractor versus employee misclassification that I was describing for janitors. Actually, it's a misclassification based on exempt status or salary. So you will see someone in retail who's called a manager who is receiving a fixed salary per month, but is actually a a non-exempt worker, someone who should be paid an hourly rate with overtime. And as far as the employees that you described, whether it be a janitor, a truck driver, an office employee, retail employee, or any employee, if one of our audience members believes that they might fit into one of these situations or, or they might have a, a friend, I, was, I wanted to, to give you an opportunity to provide your contact information once again to, um, to our listeners. Yeah, we can be reached at 916-905-5857. Also, just as a tip for workers who think that they might be experiencing wage theft, is they should start keeping track of their own hours worked, especially in the case of misclassification, where often the employer is not keeping track of those hours independently. It's important to have the worker have their own records. So when they do claim for unlawfully withheld wages, they have a record of the hours that they did work. Do we see any employer misconduct when it comes to paid sick days at all? Because the paid sick day law was only uh, implemented in 2015, a lot of employers still have not developed the proper systems for workers to accrue paid sick days and then for them to be able to take them. So an employer needs to be accruing the paid sick days and reporting that on the pay stub to the worker so that they know the number of hours that they're entitled to and then allow those workers to take them as they need. So it's still, we're still teaching employers um, about this need and this uh, requirement that they are actively reporting to the worker their right to paid sick leave. And as far as exempt status versus non-exempt status, is there a, a test to, to decide or determine that? The, there's actually a two-part test. So one deals with the type of work being performed for the employer. So whether it's managerial in nature, uh, whether it requires a professional license. The second part of the test, which for our low-wage worker clients is the most commonly violated, is the salary basis test. For an exempt worker, they have to be receiving double the min- minimum wage based on a 40-hour week. And since the minimum wage has continued to go up over the last few years, many workers have fallen out of compliance or may fall out of compliance in the next few years as we reach that $15 minimum wage. 
So you would recommend an employee that may be in this position to continuously monitor their own individual situation when it comes to, to, to their paychecks? Exactly. As the minimum wage goes up, they should just be doing the calculation, making sure that their employer is still in compliance, then offer the opportunity for the employer to get into compliance. Um, and and hopefully they will uh, then pursue the, the exempt status by increasing the salary or alternatively paying the overtime wages, which would be the, the other way that they could still be in compliance without having to increase the salary. And if we have listeners in the audience that think they might have been a victim of wage theft, is this a process that they would need to reach out to the state directly? Can they do this themselves? Do they need to hire a lawyer? Talk a little bit about that process, if you could. Any worker can pursue a claim for unpaid wages on their own through the California Labor Commissioner. While they may want to consult with an advocate like the Center for Workers' Rights or any of the other statewide advocates to find out about what they're legally entitled to, they can pursue those unpaid wages through a claim with the Labor Commissioner on their own. The claim can be filed in the regional office for where they were uh, doing the work, and they're throughout the state. So if you go to the Labor Commissioner's website, you can search for your locality and it'll tell you the office to file in. The first step is to file the claim form where you calculate the wages that you believe you're entitled to, and that gets the process moving forward. The second step is to have a settlement conference, and that's when the Labor Commissioner reviews your claim and helps determine whether you've claimed everything you're entitled to and revises those calculations and helps you negotiate a settlement potentially with your employer. So you can do this on your own, especially if you um, have a good record of the hours that you were working and what you're entitled to, makes those calculations easier to compute and therefore easier to enforce. I know you mentioned records earlier in our conversation as well. I mean, it sounds like that's, that's a very important part of this process is to keep detailed records. If possible, we recommend that you keep records of all the hours that, that you've been working. It doesn't always happen that way, and it really is the employer's obligation to maintain those records. But once you're in a situation where you're trying to pursue your rights to the unpaid wages, it makes it easier and we have more evidence if you've maintained your own records. What's the relationship between being a victim of wage theft and one's immigration status? A victim of wage theft can pursue their rights to unpaid wages regardless of immigration status. So whether you're pursuing minimum wage violations, overtime, or any of the other laws that we've talked about, like paid sick days, they can be enforced with the California Labor Commissioner, and they will not ask about immigration status. Meaning the labor commissioner will not ask? The labor commissioner will not ask, and they will tell the employer that they cannot retaliate based on immigration status during your claim period. And Daniela, could you please provide us with the information on the Center for Workers' Rights once again? Sure. Anyone in the greater Sacramento area, all the way to the Nevada border we go, uh, they can call us for a one-on-one appointment to find out whether their rights have been violated and how to pursue those rights. The best way is to give us a call at 916-905-5857. Daniela, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your expertise on on wage theft. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Now that you've heard the show, please take a moment to rate and review it. And if you have any questions about any of the information you heard today, you can reach the Victims of Crime Resource Center at 1-800-842-8467. Or you can reach us online at 1-800-VICTIMS.org or Facebook at Victims of Crime Resource Center or Twitter at 1-800-VICTIMS. 
If you haven't had a chance, please take a look at some of the other episodes in our series. Thanks for listening.